Welcome to the Gen Z Marketer Podcast, where we have marketing conversations and everything in between. In this episode, let's look at the power of influencer marketing. Is it now essential to have influencers in your marketing strategy? How do you successfully craft an effective campaign? We'll discuss that and more in this episode under the Market Talk series, where we have guests speaking here in the podcast. Our guest for today is actually someone that I worked with a couple years back. We were in the same marketing team, and we actually came up with a couple of influencer marketing campaigns before. So we have today here, Paolo Aguas. Hi, Paolo. How are you? Hey, Jamie. I'm very good. How about you? Yeah, I'm good as well. So... This is actually an interesting topic, and I actually know you already. But for those who are n- listening who do not know you, why don't you tell them a bit about yourself and maybe your experience as well? Yeah, so to all the viewers of, I'm sorry, all the listeners of Jamie, hi, I'm Paula Aguas. I have over seven years of digital marketing experience. And when Jamie and I would work together before, we worked quite closely because we had we were in the same team in terms of brands. And yeah, we successfully created a lot of great influencer marketing for the brands that we were working for. So yeah, I think that's a, that's pretty good. What yeah, do you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually good. Yeah. And I I agree with you that we did come up with really successful campaigns. But you know, that's actually the thing, like the reason why we're having this discussion. Like throughout the years influencer marketing is kind of a thing that has already grown to like this insane industry so do you think now that when we're crafting marketing strategies for our brand is it already essential to think of automatically hey we have to have influencers we have to have an influencer marketing strategy i mean definitely and you know here's the thing uh it doesn't necessarily mean you should be getting the really big names right of course you have to look at your industry you have to look at the product that you're that the client is selling what kind of product it is and who you're targeting because it doesn't necessarily mean that you know you get some big you know star some big influencer that will it will automatically work for your brand or for the product that your brand is selling you also have to realize is this the kind of person who i want to be representing my client's product in terms of online and other channels and such. Right, that is true. Because ultimately, you as a business or as a brand, you have your own branding, you have your own identity. And these influencers also have their own branding as well. If you look at it, their personalities, and they actually do have their own branding. And ideally, those two brandings, like your personal like business brand and the influencer branding kind of match, right? Because it should, otherwise, yeah. if you choose an influencer that's not related to your brand, it's going to look tone deaf or unrelatable to that influencer's market. And there might not even be a return or it's not going to be successful if it's like that, right? No, I totally agree. Totally agree. I mean, you know, you really have to be smart about who you get because here's the thing. Um, w- one of the biggest mistakes, in my opinion, that a lot of brands or a lot of companies make is, oh, this person has a lot of followers, so let's get him or her. But the problem is, you know, people could either just buy their followers. That's one. Second, yeah, they have a lot of followers, but do these people really see this person as influential? Because, you know, the problem right now is, a lot of people want to become influencers. You know, they ju- they want to, you know, really work on their different social media channels just so they can get paid to post. But a true influencer is someone who, yes, of course, they have certain deals with certain brands, but they can inspire their, you know, their follower base to either, you know, support this brand, support this cause, etc. So, you know, there's a big difference between just getting someone with, a big amount of followers and getting someone who can inspire their followers. Actually, yeah, that's, that's really true because now their tendency is really to look at um, likes and number of followers and things like that. And that's not necessarily, I mean, it's a good metric, but sometimes it doesn't really look at the quality of these followers. Like for instance, you could have these 
big personalities who have huge followings and yet they're not um converting their followers for like i've had that experience already wherein uh, i've worked with like certain brand ambassadors and they have like millions in their instagram following and yet they're not really effective like there's no like their their market or their followers don't really engage as much with our brand once they post unlike some small um accounts or small influencers who sometimes even have more effective returns even though like they have that small following right yeah actually that's what i that's i always have a tiering right i say that the highest is like platinum then you have the golds the silvers bronzes but you know at times depending on the campaign and such i really prefer going for the grassroots movement you know those people where they have a very, you know they have like 10,000 followers 20,000 or even just 5,000 and yet you know out of the 5 10,000 who see their posts 10 15% buy right that's pretty, that's a big number if you you know if you calculate it as compared to those who have millions but 0.05% buy or even less than 0.05%, right? So, you know, there's always this, I mean, for those who I consider to be a bit um, not in the know when it comes to influencers, seeing like millions of followers, millions of likes is very sexy and attractive, but it's all fluff and no, uh, there's no meat in it. There's no nutrients in it, right? So, yeah, I mean, we both agree on that aspect that, you know, followers, likes, never truly equal to conversions or effectivity for your campaign or your brand. Yeah, although I think here in the Philippines, culturally, we have, like, we have, like, a culture reliant on influencers. I, I wouldn't say reliant, but I think even before influencer marketing became such a huge thing as it is now, Culturally, um, a lot of people care about um, brand endorsers or ambassadors. Like when you say a big celebrity is endorsing this product, it's automatically, okay, we have to buy this product. But, you know, I think now that has shifted now. Like, you know, smaller accounts also get returns for brands. And, you know, right now the celebrities, they are now actually starting to see that, oh, okay, we have to be in these platforms as well. Like I noticed a lot of celebrities actually on YouTube right now. Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's the, that's the funny thing, right? I mean, and you know this, uh, Jamie, I've been telling brands, we have to get into YouTube. Uh, you know that. I've been saying we always have to get yeah. into YouTube. YouTube is very important. YouTube is cheap. And like what you mentioned, a lot of these big-time celebrities are finally seeing the value of YouTube, while as compared to, you know, these original YouTubers, as they call them, you know, the ones who were in YouTube before it was cool, who really, you know, worked on their content, you know, just to get their follower base. I mean, it's just amazing that you get to see people with, what, 20,000, 30,000 followers get all these big brands, as compared to these big-time celebrities who, yeah, sure, they get those brands, but you know, they probably just get those brands because already on their con. Right. But, you know, other than YouTube, another platform that's huge right now is TikTok. And have you had, like, experience? I mean, when we worked together before, TikTok isn't that big of a deal or we weren't even considering TikTok. But now TikTok is a thing. And do you think that we now also have to consider that platform when we're, you know, doing our influencer marketing campaign. So, you know, you had your friends, you had your MySpaces, you had your Tumblrs, you had your early Facebooks, right? Um, nowadays, people, the, the, the consumer's mindset, the consumer's ex, um, attention span has shortened because the whole thing with TikTok, these are like, what, one-minute videos at most of people, you know, dancing or whatever. Then Kumu, these are lives where people talk and get to interact. So right now, marketing has to have a certain point of interaction as compared to before where you could just have Facebook and have a nice ad. Nowadays, you need interaction. And I definitely have to say that TikTok and Kumu are definitely the future right now. So you think like 
all like brands have to be present already like omnipresent in these platforms or do you think like it's not for all brands because i feel like there are certain businesses maybe that do not fit these platforms or what are your thoughts on that so here's the thing um for now i agree with that statement wherein not all brands can fit there i mean there are just some brands where i mean okay i'll just give like a very wild example right I don't think a brand that sells, let's say, sealant for roofs would make sense on TikTok or Kumu, right? But eventually, you, you know, I mean, when Facebook began, it was just basically Friendster Part 2. No one really saw it as this mega monster that it is right now where you can have ads, you can track how your ads are doing. I mean, I don't know what TikTok and Kumu are planning to do in the future in terms of advertisement. But eventually, brands will have to consider, should we have accounts here? Should we have a certain presence here? But for now, I agree that you know not all brands as of now should be there. I mean, definitely FMC, FMCG brands, you know, they should have a presence there. So here's the thing. Uh, you know, Kumu, uh, TikTok, they don't make sense for all brands. Like the wild example I'm going to give is, you know, a sealant brand for like a roof. That doesn't make sense for Kumu and TikTok right now, right? What the dance challenges you're going to dance on top of your roof while using the sealant doesn't make sense. But eventually, you know, unless if Kumu and TikTok becomes the next Facebook, then maybe that's the time these brands should, you know, consider having a presence there. Right. Right. That is true because I think these platforms are very Gen Z. So I think Gen Z um, market or audience are the ones who's really going to use these yeah, platforms. And exactly. Brand is not, yeah, if your brand is not for them yet, then you shouldn't really look at those. So I think here in the Philippines, like our key platforms, I think that are very important for influencers are Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Um do you think blogs are still like up there as well? Do you think blogs still make an impact? So I'm going to say something quite controversial right now, right? So in terms of effectivity of influencers, in terms of if you're going to spend, you know, whatever budget you have on them, I'd say Instagram, uh, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and then blogs. That's what makes the most sense for me. Because if you look at it now, um, Jamie, yeah, a lot of these celebrities do have Facebooks, right? But most of their branded content are usually Instagram shared to their Facebook, not the other way around. Right, that is true, And yeah. I do agree that, I mean, in my opinion, blogs are very effective until now. Because the thing is, when you're looking for grassroots movement kind of influencers, most of them are bloggers, you know, the ones who use you know, those different tools for different blogs, right? They're the ones who really yeah. worked hard. You know, they, they created articles, they have great writing skills, and they really earned their followers. So those are the types of people you get when you don't want to spend too much, but really have a meaningful campaign with meaningful conversions and, you know, to really reach out to a certain populace Right. I actually agree with you on that in that sense. I still feel like blogs are relevant um, to specific brands or markets because usually when you're looking for a blog, um, when you're searching for something, there's already that intent to purchase or intent to really fulfill a specific need. And when you have blog content, it actually really helps with SEO and SEM, right? Exactly. Wherein, you know, these keywords would, you know, you'd have results for blog content. And I still think, yeah, I agree with you on that because there are certain times even I experience as a consumer wherein you're looking for something. You're looking for, uh, let's say, reviews on a certain product or the difference um, from different brands about a certain product. And sometimes you just can't find anything um on blogs or online because most of people now are doing social and I think blogs are still relevant because sometimes you just want to consume content that way. Like you just want to read something. Right? Yeah. I mean, I'm glad you mentioned about SEO because you know, at the end of the day, 
um, that's also one of the future things. And yeah, SEO blogs, they go hand in hand. So it's like hitting two birds with one stone. And like what you said about, you know, you want to do reviews or you want to compare stuff, right? I mean, I, I'm going to give a very bad example, but, you know, it, it will drive home the point. Before this whole pandemic happened, when my girlfriend and I would watch, you know, movies and such, when the movie's, you know, done and the credits are there, I always Googled something like, is there anything after the credits of then insert film, right? Then suddenly all these different uh, blog articles come out saying, okay, there's nothing after this film or there's something. So, you know, blogs still are powerful, even if it sounds very Jurassic because, you know, a lot of people just go to YouTube, watch a five-minute video. But sometimes, you know, there are there is a populace, a good amount of people, even if they're the minority, who still prefer to read over to watch and listen. And, you know, it will be detrimental to your brand if you don't recognize this. Right. And actually, I think also blog content kind of adds credibility as well to your brand, especially when people, let's say you're a new brand and no one really knows about you. Having that kind of content when people search for you is kind of helpful in saying like, oh, this brand is legit or or this brand is actually, legitimate. You know, they actually yeah. have good products. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, actually, when you look at it that way, um, technically you're doing influencer marketing that's also like intertwined with other relevant marketing strategies, right? So I think influencer marketing in that sense is not just like a one type of thing. It's like it's really um integrated to your like um, SEO, SEM strategy or even your social media strategy, yeah, right? Yeah, it definitely is. So, you know, here now we have like um, you mentioned earlier about how you do Instagram first over Facebook. And I think that's actually a really, really interesting insight because even for me as a consumer, I tend to discover brands more on Instagram rather than Facebook. Because you, as you mentioned also earlier that our attention span has kind of like shortened a bit and actually I don't think Instagram it's just by like a bit a... Jamie <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah but I mean yeah for Instagram I think it's easier to put, consume content on Instagram because you just scroll you just tap and I actually discover brands here in Instagram and even products on Instagram but here in the Philippines I think Facebook is still really really relevant because we are the country with the most facebook users of course. right and that's and, because of the whole you know the different telco companies here have free facebook and such right yeah that is true and even if um of course you you know that i've done ads already in the past few years for facebook and instagram the metrics are really when you want conversion facebook is really the way to yeah. go but if you want to really connect to your audience, if you really want to engage with them, I think Instagram is the best. Yeah, and I think the reason why, Jamie, if you don't mind me interjecting right now, why you really yeah. discover more brands on Instagram is because Instagram has that discovery feed or something. I'm not sure if that's what you call it. Yeah, yeah they do. But, you know, actually, I don't use oh, that. Oh, you don't? Okay. I really don't. I don't. Um, I discover brands or even small businesses now through Instagram and through these personalities mm -hmm. or influencers that I follow. Yeah. So I think because I actually fall to that under that Gen Z market already. I think it's because that's how we really consume content. Yeah. Actually, what I what now, I discovered yeah. was you know a lot of you younger people, and you think I'm like a fifty year old man talking right now, yeah. right? But I discovered that a lot of young people what they do now is. When they open their phone, they don't. When they go to their Instagram, they don't necessarily go to their feed immediately. What they do is they check out stories first. That that's what I discovered. Then later on in the day, yeah. you know, whether it's lunchtime or maybe when you're about to go home or you're on your way home, that's the time when people really go to their feeds. So you know, the thing is, when Facebook started out, uh, they didn't really have Facebook stories. I think they only started having that after they, they bought out Instagram. But Instagram really started out the whole story thing, right? Because remember, in Facebook before, if you're doing an event, you just take photos. So when you get home, that's when you post it, right? There was never this, this whole Facebook Live or 
Facebook stories or whatever. So I think that's what really helped Instagram in that aspect in terms of discovery. Just because it gives people the opportunity to look at things very quickly. Because stories are what, 30 seconds at most long, I think, give or take. Yeah. So, you know, with a shortened uh, attention span, then the aesthetic, the aesthetic look on, you know, feeds from influencers, how they take photos with the products, etc. Instagram really helped that a lot. Uh, the reason why Facebook, like what you mentioned, is very effective here in the Philippines when it comes to conversions is, one, there's a lot of free Facebook. That's one. Second, uh, not ev- not a lot of Filipinos are really on Instagram to discover products. They're there usually to to look at what they, you know, people who they follow, who people who they trust. And that's why you need influencers for that aspect. Because in Facebook, you don't necessarily need influencers there, right? You could just run an ad and you're good to go. But on Instagram, that's where you bring your legitimacy and the product aesthetic and the product, you know, branding into it. I'm not sure if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, actually, that, that does make sense. And actually, um, when you mentioned that, like, how you realize how people consume Instagram, like, my generation, like the young ones, I actually, yeah, that's how I consume Instagram. I automatically go to stories first before feed because it's easier to consume and not to mention there's FOMO, right? There's fear of missing yeah. out because stories are only good for 24 exactly. hours. So I I don't have necessarily, like, I'm not too concerned, like, missing out on, like, what's, what personalities and following, like, what they're doing. I'm not necessarily concerned about that I'm more concerned about how their life is doing. Like, on Instagram, of course, you mentioned, like, these personalities have their branding and things like that. And I think these personalities are also very aspirational. So I look to these personalities, or I think some uh, Gen Z um, audiences look to their personalities because they're kind of aspirational. Um, This is the lifestyle they want to achieve or... It's just really inspirational, and that's what I do. And I actually also consume stories quickly um, because I want to see if there are new filters that I could try out. <laughs> that's, a, that's another thing, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, exactly. And you know, the funny thing is, you, you, you're really young, Jamie, and you did admit that you do stories first, right? I do the exact opposite. Yeah. I look at my feed first, then I look at my stories later on. Yeah. But you know, for me, for Facebook, it's the opposite. I look at my feed and I never look at Same, Facebook. Same, exactly. Because I, I guess it's do, because yeah. how Facebook programmed all of us to view Facebook. Because remember, like what I said, there was never stories before. And it was always the feed, right? And, yeah. that, and then for us, that whole feed thing was revolutionary. Because I think on Friendster, yeah. I barely used it. There was never a feed, right? Yeah. So, yeah. And, of course, for Facebook, when you're scrolling your feed, mostly for me, what I look for is um, news articles or, you know, rele- relevant quotes or maybe a dog post, dog-related post, things like that. So, so yeah, I think it's interesting how we consume these platforms differently and how people really... um. So, I think that's also one thing that marketers need to consider when they're doing their influencer strategies is that um, the market consumes content differently on these platforms, so you have to consider whether your content would be relevant. Whether to the these influencers because... will be truly relevant in these platforms, I think that's the better way to say it. Yeah. Just because, like, I'll give you an excellent example. Um, there's this volleyball player. I won't really name her, but you know, both Instagram and Facebook, she has a healthy amount of followers. And yet, when you look at her Facebook, she gets probably on a good day 10 comments on one post. And these are good comments. These aren't just like first or love the shirt or something, right? These are like comments saying, oh, I love that product too. Or, oh, where can I get this product? You know, those kinds of valuable comments. But when you go to her Instagram, on a bad day, she gets 20. So, you know, there's really a huge difference. Like what you mentioned, Facebook has become more on news articles, um, messaging customer support in a way. Yeah. While, you know, for influencers who are really thriving, it's YouTube, uh, Instagram, 
eventually Kumu and TikTok as well. Yeah, so I think um we really have to remember as marketers, like we really have to take into consideration like how the consumer behaves in these platforms. And ultimately, we have to design our content differently in this, these platforms because they consume content differently. Yeah. So for influencers, right, it's not just, um, as you mentioned, you just post it on Instagram and copy it on Facebook. I mean, I think that's kind of a common thing to do. But I think it's better to kind of repurpose your content, even if it's, let's say, the same post. You have to repurpose it for Facebook. Because even in YouTube, like, when you have your vlogs and then you post it on Facebook, it's also kind of repurposed, right? To fit yeah. the Facebook watch platform. Exactly. Yeah, so I think uh, marketers also need to take that into consideration when they're collaborating with these influencers. Um, because I remember I I also had that practice when I was working in some of the brands I worked with before that. We basically had one post and we just posted it on Facebook and Instagram. It was a mirror post and that's it. Like we didn't really change it up and things like that. But yeah. you know what? for that it's really instagram um because i think it's also a fashion brand which is why i think it really did well on instagram compared to facebook where it doesn't really get that much engagement you know the funny thing is what a lot of um you know these older brands or older marketers don't see is uh the consumer right now is very smart they know what an ad is and they're very annoyed by ads, right? And the consumer right now, they want their products, they want their brands to put effort in how they market it to them. You know, that's why if you notice with these different fast food places, they usually have these, uh, you know, these commercials that tug at the heartstrings of people because it gets people talking, it gets people engaged. Because remember, like what I said, uh, our attention span is so short that if you can't get us in the first few seconds of whatever content you have, it's completely useless. So yeah, I agree with you that, you know, for Instagram, you have to have a certain way in how you post it on YouTube as well, on Facebook as well, as well as on TikTok and Kumu. And actually, now that you mentioned, like, yeah, how consumers behave, like they want engagement do they want to engage with brands i think that's also another thing that marketers or brands need to consider when it comes to doing marketing or influencer marketing for this um particular episode it's not just about conversion i mean yes it is in certain you know circumstances. I mean, yeah 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 it is but you know conversion is not just um getting people to buy your product it's also getting people to like be aware of your brand or being interested with your brand because even or even just if, remembering your brand yeah because if even if they don't convert now there's a possibility they could convert in the future exactly i mean here's the thing and if i could give advice to you know smes because obviously the big guys they have enough money to do whatever they want right uh but you know for the smaller you know if you're a smaller brand and you're thinking of dabbling into influencers here's the thing influencers are important period for your brand no matter what right whether you do it now or you do it later on you have to do it but make sure that you're going to do it when you're prepared for it because here's the thing i i I've heard so many different brands say oh let's do it as a last resort because we're desperate it's not one of those hail mary type of moves right I mean, if I were to give them advice, I'd say target better on Facebook. Just You just have to remember that influencers, are, you should never use them as your Hail Mary type uh, desperation move. They're there to supplement your sales. They're there to bring more awareness to your brand when you're having a bidding war on ads and things like that. But they're not there as your Hail Mary pass. Yeah, that's true. And actually, I think influencers are a way of building relationships. Like, 
you don't just build your relationship with that influencer. You're also building relationships with the people that follow them and your potential customers. Because other than the fact that it makes you more um, relatable or approachable, like you really get to connect to with your market more with influencers because yeah there's that relationship like you're kind of starting a relationship or it's like an existing relationship wherein basically your influencer is kind of like hey this is brand whatever and you know you really should take a look at them i think that's another way to look at it oh yeah definitely i mean i'll give you an example if you don't mind so in one of the brands that I was working on before, there's this particular volleyball player who I really believed in from the start. And, you know, most marketers, when I give you her stats, they'll be like, why did you even think of getting her? I mean, she barely had 10,000 followers. She'd get like one to two comments per post and things like that. But I looked at her potential for the brand and her potential as an influencer, as a true influencer. And, you know, I took a gamble. I paid her what a lot of people would have said called an overpay at that time. And for one year, I kept the relationship alive. I get her and things like that. And, you know, when she became very popular, very successful in her collegiate career, and she had basically a whole nation rooting for her, you know, she became super big, super popular. She still charged me the same. It's because I saw her potential. I believed in her. Because, you know, when you have relationships with these influencers, like what you mentioned, it's not just with them, but it's with their fans. And when they see that you believed in this person before anyone else did in terms of the mainstream, they'll never forget that. And they'll always remember your brand for, for taking a chance with that person. And, you know, because of that, the ROI that the brand got in return because of that gamble move I made was crazy. I think it was around 200% of original investment minimum. Yeah, that's that's true, actually. And that's really interesting because I also have similar story. I think I mentioned that to you before, but I also um, had that experience wherein I was working with actually brand ambassadors. And um, there are certain brand ambassadors um, these, uh, that these are celebrities and they're not celebrities that have that are household names like these are celebrities that um only a certain number of people would know basically they have um like not that big of a following compared to big stars that probably like Liza Soberano or things like that of those names these personalities are you know um still not as big as these stars but they already have a strong following and what I found really interesting about these people is that they have such an engaged audience. Like, I remember one would just post, um, let's say she posted today, and then like for the next few days, I would the brand would get messages, um, where can I get her shoes? Where can I get her bag? And, you know, I think that's just really an interesting, like, fact or interesting experience or you know that basically you have these this relationship with these personalities um they may not be big personalities but yeah as long as you believe in them as long as like you you build that relationship with them their followers will also follow because you know filipino fans are super loyal yeah they really are yeah so but actually, I think that's one thing that sometimes some brands bank on when it comes to influencer marketing. Um, they bank on the fact that, um, let's say, a certain personality has this big following and they get this personality for their brand. So they're automatically assuming, oh, her followers or his followers will eventually buy stuff from us. But... I don't think that's necessarily the case, right? Not all the time. And, you know, the, the thing is, when you take a gamble with these people without, without the big following, right, you also have to look at external factors and qualitative factors on taking these gambles. I mean, you know, a lot of people think, oh, you know, Paolo just got lucky. Or, oh, Paolo is, has these weird ways 
on how to choose these, you know, up and coming influencers. I mean, it's not necessarily, in my opinion, weird ways or out of luck. I mean, there are certain factors that I look at. So let's just use that volleyball player again, right? What what was one of the factors I looked at? The school she plays for. You know, the school she plays for is a school with a crazy amount of fans. As in the whole, I think the whole student body is in every single game, no matter what sport. And they always do that signature cheer of their school. That was the biggest factor for me because I said, I saw that the this person had the skills in terms of on the court. And I knew that after a year, she'll be really good. But I also looked at the base following her and how big it can grow. Because like what you mentioned, a lot of these guys have one of the most loyal bases in the world. Well, okay, fine, not the world. But one of the biggest... Uh, Loyal, or one of the smallest loyal bases in the Philippines, but these loyal followers will really follow them and will really care about that brand because these people, they don't always have, you know, branded stuff every month, right? So when they do get branded stuff, the followers will be like, hey, this must be really authentic that this person really cares about this brand because, you know, a lot of these influencers with small quote-unquote, small followers. It's not like brands don't want to go to them, but they usually choose the brands that they post about because a lot of them will tell you, oh, yeah, else I said yes to your brand because it's a brand I believe in. It's a brand that I used in my, you know, in the past and all. So there, yeah. Yeah, and I think um, even those with small following, they kind of have that credibility already with their followers wherein their followers know that this person is being authentic or this person is just really genuine or when they do endorse brands or when they do partner with brands, they know that these brands are brands that they really um, believe in. So I think that's also like a huge factor. Like the trust level really with these small influencers It's really, really high as well. I think if you would compare it to big personalities. But I think there are certain big personalities who still have that like kind of influence or really um, power with their followers. But I think ultimately, as marketers, we really have to have that um, intuition like you did or like that evaluation skill wherein you really have to consider everything. Like... um where that person is going or whether you think like that person or their branding and their following and their influence or would really fit your brand. You know, all of these things. Like, you really have to have that skill. It's not just about, oh, okay, let's get this person for this amount to do this. It's not about that. It's really being strategic because I think this is, has to be also, very, you have to really be strategic about this as well. You can't just... Um, do it just because, right? Definitely. I mean, you know, if you want to do research on a particular influencer, I mean, in every research, there are two kinds of data, right? Qualitative and quantitative. If you cannot get the proper or enough data for quantitative, that's when you should look at the qualitative data. Who they are, what's their background, what do they do, what kind of potential followers that they can get, you know, and the followers, what are the age group of these people? What do they do for a living? Do they have parents that they're still taking care of? You know, things like that. Right. Yeah, that's true. But, you know, I think also here's one thing that I think sometimes marketers or brands are forgetting um, you know, of course, we're now talking about small people with small following. But what about regular people that do not have these huge social media following? Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes when you say influencer, brands think of people with numbers, people with following. And I think we also need to look at regular people because at the end of the day, when you say influencer, it's about someone who has influence, yeah. right? Or who has that power to really um, convince someone to, you know, think a certain way. And I think um, brands need to remember that even their customers are influencers, right? Yeah, definitely. That's correct. 
I mean, because, so, you know, when you look yeah. at the commercials abroad, right? A lot of the people that they get for the commercials are, I mean, sorry, let me rephrase that. The commercials that they do is interaction amongst non-influencers. Why? Because these people are very relatable. These are people who don't have abs. They don't have perfect skin. They're not necessarily tall. They don't, you know, have what they call a perfect physique. But these are what everyday people are like. The number one brand I always remember in terms of these kinds of interaction kind of commercials is Heineken. So Heineken had this campaign before wherein people of opposing views would meet in a room. They don't know anything about each other, about their views. But they share a Heineken bottle. They get to know each other better. And in the end, they may have different views, but they're willing to listen to each other. Because what I mean by opposing views is, one of the ones I remember the best is, there's this one guy who was completely homophobic or completely anti-LGBT. Because for him, it's not natural. And the other person in the room with this man is a transgender woman who is obviously part of the LGBT. But, you know, they, they're in a room. They're solving some sort of mini puzzle. They're talking about whatever, right? Then at the end, when they solved the puzzle, they showed video clips of the man talking about how he hates the LGBT. Then the next clip is the girl saying that she's transgender, etc., and in the end, you know, and, I, and to those listening, definitely Google the Heineken campaign. It's just amazing because at the end, it just shows that when people get to know each other and have this kind of interaction, maybe the hate or the, the hate or the, uh, I, I'm blanking on the word, but anyway, the hate that they had yeah. for these people actually disappear once they get to know the individual. So these people are not, famous people right maybe at most they have 500 followers on instagram facebook etc but these campaigns are effective because these people are relatable so you know at the end of the day when you do influencers relatability is always important right yeah that's true because if your influencer is not relatable it almost seems like it's also inauthentic right and people can already see through that bs like they know when someone's being inauthentic they know when someone is you know just really not um being who they are right yeah that's correct yeah you know for actually you know we've talked about facebook and we've talked about instagram and now let's go a little bit more about youtube um youtube has really grown throughout the years, especially for influencers. Like, you know Ryan's world, right? Imagine a nine-year-old who is the highest-paid YouTuber Millions, because he's yeah. reviewing toys, right? Right, yeah. So I think um, here in the Philippines, like, I think when it comes to YouTube, I, I think it really has grown into something that we never really expected would be. Like, maybe a few years ago, we... Um, YouTube wasn't like this, I think. Like, when I remember when I was like maybe a co in college, I would use YouTube for, you know, listening to songs. Like, e before Spotify, yeah, there was correct. YouTube, yeah. right? Yeah. And now, um, the way we consume YouTube is that you have all these sorts of personalities or content creators. And sometimes I actually feel like there's a lot going on in YouTube that. It's really hard to find like an influencer that really you want to engage with or an influencer that you want to like finish the whole video off. Because sometimes now I think you also mentioned this earlier that the attention span has shortened. I think that goes the same to YouTube as well. That sometimes I, I remember maybe a couple months ago or maybe two Three years ago, I could still consume like 30-minute videos. Now, I just fall asleep. <laughs> uh, so, what do you think about like influencer marketing when it comes to you? So, you know, when it comes to YouTube, I mean, for you, you fall asleep on a 30-minute video. While me, I'm that's usually my average on certain YouTube videos, right? Um, so, the thing with influencer yeah. marketing with YouTube is it does allow you to have a longer form on how to 
how to you know allow the influencers to promote your brand but there's also a time limit i think 10 15 minutes is usually the the sweet spot when it comes to youtube videos depending on how entertaining the person is so let's say someone like uh ryan's world i'm not very familiar with how long his videos are but i'm guessing it's at around the 10 minute mark so you know influencer marketing on youtube allows people to really see how your product is used in this person's everyday life but then you know there are also times we could do it very subtly so let's say for example uh, Mimia uh, who's a comedian slash singer uh, slash fashion yeah. designer in the Philippines she had this uh, video where she was trying to teach this famous uh, Filipino singer how to sing supposedly then the, the product placement was for Colgate um, Colgate toothpaste where, and she was just brushing her teeth but then I knew it was for Colgate because she kind of showed like the box the tube etc so you know um, at times it's there are two kinds of ways on how you can market there in my opinion first is that the subtle way of doing it subtle quote and unquote but second is to just have a you know plain and simple product review where they say you know I use Colgate toothpaste because it makes my teeth stronger. It makes my teeth wider. It makes me feel clean. You know, something like that. Or you can do it very subtly wherein the person is, let's say, dancing, singing, or whatever. Then the background, there's like a Colgate box or something. I think, yeah, with YouTube, the possibilities are endless. But, you know, it's also like when you, you mentioned those like subtle ads. They're also, they remind me kind of like television almost or movie consumption wherein you have those placements. And I think that's one way to look at YouTube as well is that it's an, it's really an entertainment platform. It's like your TV made more compact or things like that. And these channels or these content creators or yeah, channels, they're, they're like, um, they really have to entertain you. But of course, with YouTube now, entertainment ideally also has value yeah that's 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 true yeah but you know i've seen also like some brands wherein the whole video is about them what do you think about like those certain videos like for me sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't sometimes it's meh. Like, like, what do you think? I think that's the thing when you have that kind of content, right? That kind of specific video. It's not always a sure shot. And the, I mean, here's the thing. It's all right. There are two outcomes that are usually okay. It's either the video is superb that people share or it's, it's a fail that people share. You never want to be in the meh category because no one really shares meh to begin with. Yeah. That's true. So I think it's really one thing that uh, marketers or brands really need to remember as well is that influencer marketing is a way, is, is also content marketing. Like you really have to, um, of course, you're not necessarily 100% dictating the content of influencers, right? I mean, sometimes that is the case. But I think sometimes we have to meet halfway with influencers wherein you discuss or you have that agreement on how to curate the content that is authentic to them and also authentic to your brand. No, yeah, that definitely makes sense because, you know, influencer marketing is in its own way a version of content marketing because, I mean, you don't want to always just, you know, give your product and say, you know, do what you want to do with it. Of course, there's certain guidelines that you need to follow, certain campaigns that you created that you want to be followed as well. I mean, think of it as uh, content marketing, but with a boost in a way. And that boost is the personality of that influencer. Right. Yeah, that's true. Because I think sometimes brands are forgetting also like the importance of content or quality content. Like it's not just about looking good about adding value as well to whoever's consuming that content. Yeah, no, exactly. And 
you know, that's why I just can't fathom, you know, at times. I mean, you and I, we were both brand side and agency side in our careers. And it's just so difficult to fathom yeah. when brands don't see that. You know, it's like, guys, we're, we're, we're doing our best to simplify it for you, but you guys are making it complicated even more. Because, you know, if I have a, if I have a, if my content is about a certain thing, right? I would want to find a person relatable who can show their followers that, yeah, you know, this content is relatable. This content is something I could use in my everyday life because that's the whole point of, you know, getting influencers to show people that whatever product your brand or your client is selling is usable in their everyday life. It's not something that, oh, you know, I don't need this and things like that. No, it's something that when I see the music, I'm like, hey, I want to try using it. So it's something like that. Yeah, that's true. And that's why I think it's also important to not just get people with huge following, but also these smaller numbers, because it really, I think, yeah, as you mentioned, influencer marketing slash content marketing is really all about that making people feel like your product is something that fits them as well, that is for them as well. And it helps people also like envision themselves in using that product. It's not just about the brand. Um, normally, brands would just show you like, oh, hey, this is our product. But with influencers, yeah, you were, you're right in the sense that they're a boost. They add that extra... Um, credibility that extra value or that extra aspirational factor that really makes brand more appealing or relatable like you know the one thing about fashion brands that i would like to talk a bit about is they're the best when it comes to getting influencers because you know fashion clothes you know if you see a mannequin wear something you don't see yourself as a mannequin but when you see someone wear let's say a suit or a necktie in person or in a photo of a live human being using it, then you envision yourself using it as well. So, you, you know, fashion brands have been doing it for the longest time, but I think it's time for other industries, FMCG, electronic, hardline, etc., to also follow suit. Because, you know, at the end of the day, when our attention spans, well, for you young people, but older people like me, it doesn't really change. Uh, you know, when your atten- when the attention spans continue to shorten and shorten and shorten, it will be more and more difficult to reach the audience that you want to reach. Because even if, let's say, your brand has a brand name, it doesn't necessarily mean it will do well online just by brand name alone. So you have to have continuous efforts, continuous content marketing, continuous... Um, uh, influencer, uh, influencer efforts to help your brand, you know, thrive and grow in this new space that we call online, right? Yeah, and actually, to add on to that insight, I mean, this this podcast is the Gen Z Marketer Podcast, and. I fall under Gen Z already, which is 1996. What a, to what a way to rub it in that I'm old, right? No, I mean, I, know, I mean, Paul, the reason, yeah, I mean, for me, one of the episodes um, in the podcast really highlighted that how we Gen Z, we're already entering the workforce and we're already gaining spending power. So Brands also have to consider that. I mean, we're not necessarily the market for all brands or for all businesses. Like, I think not all businesses can market to Gen Z now. But like like what you mentioned, like, you know, we're, we're transitioning into, we're in this online world wherein, you know, influencers are really a thing. I think brands are also really have to consider that as well. Like, after millennials, the new wave is already here, yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, uh, if I could just give this really an example that only Filipinos, I think, could relate to. There are two, there's this brand that I always told myself, if they ever go online, that's how I know e-commerce is to stay here in the Philippines. 
when uh, book sale opened their own Shopee, you know, account, their own Shopee store. I was like, wow, that's how you know uh, e-commerce is here to stay. When Papel Moroti has their own website, you know that e-commerce is here to stay. Online is here to stay. And brands have to adjust to that. And one way to help these brands, especially the big ones, is to get influencers who, you know, greatly influence the target market that they aim for. Through, through digital posts, you know, through videos, through Facebook, Instagram posts, etc. Right, yeah, that's true. And I think also the pandemic sped oh, up yeah, the process definitely. of these brands going online. I mean, you and I, of course, we worked in an e-commerce agency. But even during that time, I mean, we already had like, big brands, big businesses coming in or had intent to do e-commerce. But I think the pandemic really just sped up that process. I mean, other brands maybe knew already about e-commerce, maybe had plans for it, maybe didn't. But now they really see the value of e-commerce yeah, no going choice. online, right? Yeah, that is true. And so I think also, yeah, as brands, you really have to strengthen your influencer marketing strategy because yeah one of our questions earlier was is this essential and i also kind of feel like it is now it is essential because when you're crafting like an, a marketing campaign not just for online but even offline influencer marketing really really um ties into it one way or another it does it really does yeah so do you have other insights or um, other things that you'd like to share with our listeners before we wrap this episode up? Yeah, so, you know, just to, to, just to summarize my end about influencer marketing, I mean, Jamie and I have worked on this. You know, we've done Lazada Lives and Facebook Lives, etc. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's also a, new, a different um, exactly, kind of yeah. market as well, but, right? Know, at the end yeah. of the day, this is my advice to any person out there who's listening, right? Whether you're an SME, a big brand, you know, whatever, right? If you're an SME, only do it because it's really part of the plan. Don't do it out of desperation because it will never work. And don't, you know, yeah. don't uh, fall for the idea that just because this person has a lot of followers means that they'll give you a lot of conversions. You have to do your own research, right? Whether it's a qualitative or a quantitative type of research, make sure that you have research to help back up your decision because you don't want to waste, you know, your money, your budget, your product, etc., for something that you're just guessing, right? And for the big brands out there, you know, the best thing to do is to always... Think about the kind of audience you're targeting. You know, what do they like? What channels they're on? Who do they follow? What do these people do, the ones that they follow, etc.? Then make a wise decision and choose the proper influencer. Because, you know, there are a lot of young guys, okay, who are influencers, but they're not very good people. They're not very good role models, but they have a lot of followers. Why? Because people either don't like them and they just want to continuously comment that they don't like them, which in my opinion doesn't make sense, but there are people like that. Or because they do a lot of things that people find controversial. So, you know, you just have to find the right person who matches your values as a company and as a brand. Yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, I think that's one thing also everyone has to remember that Ultimately, whatever your branding is, it has to really match that influencer's exactly. branding as well. Or your values, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, thank you, Pao, for sharing your um, thoughts and insights with us here. Um, why don't you take this time to uh, invite everyone to okay, listen thanks, to your Jamie. podcast? So, yeah, to everyone, I invite you to listen to listen slash watch to my podcast slash vodcast it's called igla that's spelled i g 
L A B. So you know, it's a podcast that's not necessarily for marketing, but it's a podcast that discusses various topics. You know, we had an episode recently about Avatar: The Last Airbender, Legend of Korra. We've had episodes about OnlyFans. We've had episodes about um, gender, sexuality, things like that. So you know, if you want to have a, if you want to watch slash listen to a podcast, podcast that has no like specific uh you know path in terms of its topics definitely catch us and yeah i hope to hear or see you guys there yeah so thank you again pao and once again everyone check out iglap they're on facebook so um of course if you enjoyed this episode make sure to follow our podcast to get notified on the latest uploads if you want to share your thoughts suggest topics or collaborate visit our socials at the gen z marketer podcast on facebook at gen z mkt on instagram and at anchor.fm slash gen z mkt